And thank you, Rachel. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been studying the book of Haggai. It's a little book in the Old Testament, and it's written in a time in which the people of Israel have left being in exile in Babylon for about 70 years. And so they're back in their homeland in Jerusalem now. And in the first chapter, Haggai has been told by God to tell these people, you got to get busy. You got your priorities right. You got to get my work ahead of your work, my way ahead of your way, and my will ahead of your will. In week two, we started chapter two, and it was the picture that, you know, all of us need to have a godly plan for our life. All of us need to have and take on this human responsibility to join the remnant of faith. All of us need, need to have a divine presence, a divine promise, and we are trusted and promised with the divine spirit. Today, we're in Haggai chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. And in verse 10, we start off with this picture, recognizing in the first week, Haggai is giving him a picture of their unwarranted contentment. In the second week, he's talking about their unwarranted discontentment. And the big picture today is that God will not settle for anything less than all of you. That God is not a partway God. He's not a halfway God. And Haggai has a few questions for the priest. So dive in with me, beginning in verse 10 in Haggai chapter 2. On December 18th, let me stop there. If you went back to Haggai 1.1, it says on August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign. Now it says on December 18th of the second year of King Darius's reign. So in our perspective, the length of time that is happening in this book is from about the third week of school until the week before Christmas. Are you with me? And what's happening in here is that God is continually saying to Haggai, I need you to bring a word to the people of Israel. Now, to give this a little more context, we continue to read, and it says that in that reign, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Ask the priest this question about the law. So here's question one, and you might say, why is he talking to the priest? He's talking to the priest because in this time, people are living under the Mosaic law, the Mosaic law being Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When you don't follow that rule, you're busted. Who are you busted by? The priests. The priests are like holy policemen in that time. They're the ones that are calling out, you're bad. Are you with me? It's a big difference between today's pastor and that, and, and that priest. So the priest is the one that Haggai is addressing the question to. He asked the priests because the priests are the leaders, theoretically, the leaders of what we found in the book of a remnant. Now imagine a remnant being this one thread that runs through all of scripture all the way to today. A remnant being a group of people who have chosen to obey God and trust God and to live for God in all ways, regardless of what's happening in their culture. Are you with me? So this remnant has always been, and according to scripture will always be, and in this time, Haggai is speaking to the priests who are living, theoretically again, among this remnant of people. Now, the reason why this remnant is a big deal is that over the course of time, including today, God has chosen to use the remnant of his faithful people to change a nation and the temperature of the world. So the question you've got to ask yourself in today's sermon is this, I am either a part of the remnant or I am part of the problem, which one am I? Are you with me? So you say, well, Chuck, I think there's probably a membrane between problem and remnant, not according to God. 
There's no gray area here, right? You are either all with God, all for God, and have trusted all of God, or you're part of the problem. You say, well, Chuck, I, wait, that doesn't sound right. I mean, I, I don't, can I trust God with everything? Well, s- stick with the story, all right? Here's, here's what uh, Haggai has to say to the priest. He says, um, hey, guys, priest, if one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? Now, how many of you totally understand that question? Okay, I'm, I'm with you, right? I was like, okay, you read that question, you think, okay, one, Haggai smoking the hymnal, right? That's just, that's not the kind of question that we're going to ask. But you got to understand the context, all right? Now, remember, in this day of living under Mosaic law, what's happening here is that uh, Haggai is speaking to these people, and they would eat meat, but the only meat they would eat was meat that they had brought to be a part of a sacrifice, and the blood had been drained from all of it. So you would have gone, and let's, let's say Vern, Bubba, and Thumper from, from, from Jerusalem goes to the Jerusalem meat market, and they make sure that that T-bone is completely drained of its blood, and they put it in their robe to carry it home. Every time I read this, I think of, I think of uh, uh, the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints picking up those crab claws and stick them in his britches in public. So I, I don't know why I think about that all the time, but I think of Jameis Winston. My bad. Anyway, so, so these folks, trying to follow the law, have stuck the T-bone in the pocket of the robe, and the question that Haggai asked the priest is, If on your way home, you brush up against a wineskin full of wine or a bottle filled with olive oil, is the wine and the olive oil now holy like the meat? Fair question, right? Are you still confused about the question? You should be because that makes no sense at all, all right? But it made sense to them. And the reason it made sense to them was the meat was holy. To brush up against something, the question and the answer to that question is, does that make the other holy? What do you say? It's, it's, it's not rhetorical. What do you say? Okay, could you have a little more conviction about it? Thank you. Thank you. Somebody, somebody was just big on the no, all right? You're right. The answer is no, all right? Now, and watch this. Here's why. Holiness cannot be transferred. Holiness cannot be caught. Holiness you can't live my holiness and I can't live yours. You got to live your holiness. Now watch this. You can't brush up against somebody like you got a common cold and they catch it. You can't breathe on somebody like you got COVID and they catch it if it's holiness, right? I mean, it just doesn't work that way. You think these exiles who come back, you would think by now they would get the fact that I need to give all my all to God because they have experienced what it's like to be without God. They've experienced to be an exile apart from God. They have come back and they were lazy before God. They started building the house of God and repair it, but then they stopped because everything got good. And the picture is just like America. We are exactly like the people of Israel. 
Like when everything is good, the economy's great, we got jobs, everything's fine, life is good, we don't need church, we don't need God, everything's cool, I can trust in my 401k. And then the market dips below 30, and the housing market starts going to pot, and then we start thinking, well, maybe we need God again. And all the while, just like God asked the people of Israel, have I got your attention yet? I believe God is screaming at us today, have I got your attention yet? And the clear answer from the people in America is no. Not only do we not, you don't have our attention, we're not even trying to understand what you're saying to me. Now watch this, let's go back to the remnant. This remnant that flows through today are the people who have chosen to be faithful to the way and the will of God in their life. Now, many of them are not out there preaching, many of them are not out there teaching, most of them are in the marketplace doing what they do, trusting God. Now watch this, it's, 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 it's not just rubbing off on people because that's not what happens. You see, three months ago, according to this story, these people were fat and happy and life was fine. We're out of exile, we're rebuilding our life. And God then, according to the text, says, I'm gonna get your attention. So in this, he's making a point and saying to them, no, holiness is not caught by the remnant. You've gotta choose your own holiness. He's saying, you can't just do a little bit of something for God and then expect that you're going to experience holiness. You, you, you might say, well, I went to church last month. Chuck, I'm good till Christmas Eve, right? Well, you, you can't brush by church and, and, and get God. You, you can't just, well, Chuck, I, I, said, I, I said God is gracious, God is good. Let us thank him for our food before dinner. Come on. I'm good, right? I, I read one verse this week by accident when they said it on the radio, I'm good, right? I listen to Christian music. God, I'm good, right? I work in preschool. I'm good, right? Now watch this. You can't earn holiness. You can't go work for it. You can't buy it. It is about your surrender to a holy and a righteous God, period. It is your willingness to watch this now because most of us hear that and say, I have no idea how to do that. Watch this. That kind of holiness comes this way. God, I recognize who you are, creator and sustainer of all things. God, I recognize all good things come from, above, from above. God, I recognize you made me and formed me before I was even formed in my mother's womb, and you have a plan for me to live for you and to live in the peace and the power of your son, Jesus Christ. And I choose that for my life. And upon that, this is why the priest can say, no, brushing up against God doesn't make you holy fully surrendering and draining all of yourself into him is, are you with me? But now watch, there's a second question that comes along. Then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest's answer is yes. Now, do you have that one? I mean, come on, that is just, that's just a mouthful right there. Do you have that one? Watch this. Holiness can't be caught, but evil is contagious. So what the law said in that time, remember, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's the law. And the law said that in that time, if you touched a dead body, then you had defiled your cleanliness and you were no longer righteous or holy. Are you with me? 
Now today, under grace, listen, you go to a funeral home and your loved one's there, you reach down, you touch them, you kiss them, listen, under grace, you're good. Listen, Jesus fixed all that, right? But in that time, that was the law, all right? So don't confuse the church today and that church then. Don't confuse them, all right? You got to understand it in context. The context then was, if you touch a dead body, you're defiled. Now the question is, if I turn around and I touch food after I've done that, is that food then defiled? And you know what the answer is? Absolutely. You know why? Because holiness can't be caught, but evil is wildly contagious. You put 12 high schooler boys together with no boundaries and no rules, you will see how evil is contagious. You say, I doggone right, that generation. You put a group of 40-year-old men together and they'll do the same thing. (laughs) And ladies, listen, you will too. You know why? Because we are sin-filled men and sin-filled women living in a sin-filled world, and we will choose sin. But when we do, we're choosing to step out of the remnant and step into the problem. This is what's happening in America today. The, the priests answered the first question correctly and now offered the second one, and they answer correctly there. Evil is more easily transmitted than holiness is. Folks, sin is more contagious, more contagious and more corrosive than we think. It will take you farther than you want to go, and it'll leave you there longer than you want to stay. I promise you it'll cost you more than you want to pay. But now watch this. The story goes on. Surely you can see the flaw in all of this, right? I mean, there has to be a solution, and the solution is Jesus. The solution is I can choose to step into the remnant, and I can be a part of everything that's happening. Here in 2022, we have ruined our sacrifice and our work by poor intent, by reducing our worship to acting on a stage, playing like Christians, coming to church once a month so we can say we did it, giving to a mission trip, and making sure that mission trip is included with white people hoarding poor babies somewhere so you can have a Photoshop opportunity, and then make sure that you filter the picture and post it on Instagram. And all the while, I think the holy and righteous thrice God of Israel says, what a shame my people have become. Not a single amen on that one, right? Because we've turned holiness into a Snapchat opportunity. And I think our God is saying, stop it. Get back in the remnant. Trust me with all that I am. And some of us are just trying to figure out, okay, but how does that work? Let's start with this understanding. You ready? Holy works do not make holy people. Like you you can't go do enough good stuff to make you holy. There's only one thing that makes you holy. That is the presence of a holy and righteous God. You can't make yourself holy. You can't do enough devotionals to make yourself holy. You can't read enough scripture to make yourself holy. You can't give enough money or go to enough church services to make yourself holy. The only way we become holy and a part of the remnant is when we say, God, I know who you are, and next to you know I know who I'm not, and I need all of you and none of me, and I need you to saturate my soul down in the nooks and the crannies of my bones so that I become like you and I trust you with all I am, all I have, and all I'm yet to have. And when that happens, holiness arrives in the presence of the Spirit of God, not what you do. Now that should be good news for you. 
Because if it's counting on your good works, let's just all go help poor people. If we're counting on good works, then let's just go cut the grass for our neighbor and make pies for people. And like, Nothing wrong with all those things. We should do all those things. But they shouldn't be the intent to try to be like God. They should be done because God is working within us and his presence is so strong. We can't help but do what he wants us to do. That's what it looks like, right? But if that's the case, then we have to have a desire to love God. Without a desire to love God, you won't love God. You say, well, Chuck, I love God. Well, let me ask you a question. Those things that you love, do you find time for those things you love? Well, wait a minute, Chuck. We're not talking about bird hunting here, are we? Yeah. We're not talking about fishing, are we? I mean, we're not talking about golf, are we? I mean, I mean we're, we're not talking about women's ministry, are we? We're, we're not talking about my small group, are we? No, I, I, I'm talking about, are you going to give any of your calendar to the God you claim your holiness is found in? Well, well, Chuck, I'm pretty busy. Listen, here's God's answer for that, bull. I gave you the same number of seconds I gave everybody else, and it's a matter of your priority and where you want to put me in your life. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't have an hour to give God. I never read where God asked you for an hour, not one time. What he asked for is your heart. This is where the holiness of God is, is discovered. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is where this holiness is discovered as he takes over, where his will becomes your will, and it becomes natural. We can only live holy lives when we have clean hearts and clean hands. And the only way you have clean hearts and clean hands is to let the Spirit of God work within your life. He's got to do this work we call sanctification. That work of sanctification is the work of the Spirit of God power washing your soul day by day. Sometimes he has to go back. You know when you power wash, you look back and you had some of that dirty water that lingered and you got to go back and wash it again? That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life, this work of sanctification. He's continued to work on the holiness in our life. Righteousness and holiness never come from what we do for God. Some of us have determined that we are to volunteer for everything at church so we can have a holy life. Let me stop and say to you, Scripture is clear. What we bring to God is like filthy rags before Him. If what we surrender to God is all of our filthy rags, He turns them into holy garments that we are clothed with because of Him, not because of us. Are you with me? But now watch this. This is the beautiful part, and I'll close with this. God gives good gifts to holy people. Come on. Does this not motivate you to discover the goodness of God found in holiness and righteousness? You say, I want this. Chuck, I want his good gifts. Haggai says in verse 18, think about this day, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. What Haggai is trying to say to me and you is think clearly now. Think about the day you're in. Think about everything that's ahead of you. Think about what you're daydreaming about right now. And then consider what would it be if you put all of your soul into the way and the will of God and could you experience his glory? That was all worth thinking about. He says, think carefully. The tragedy had been in verse 17 where the word of the Lord says, even so you refuse to return to me. You say, so wait a minute, Chuck. You mean, you mean, if my wife is chasing after God with all of her heart, 
I don't get the benefit of that. No, you're missing out on it if you're not chasing with her. Well, but Chuck, that's not fair. Chuck, I, I ought to get the benefit of the church chasing after God, and I showed up. Well, that's like saying you were born in a zoo, so you're a peacock. I mean, seriously, come on. I mean, common sense says in verse 19, God said, I'm giving you a promise now. But this is after what he said earlier in the scriptures is, remember when you, when you thought you'd get this much wine out of the press, but you only got that? You thought, you thought the harvest would be this, but you only got that? What God's saying, have I got your attention yet? He said, are you, are you listening yet? But then he comes around in verse 19 and he says, but if you join this remnant, and you surrender your life and you let my holiness exist inside of you. If you just let me take over, if you let me be the boss and stop trying to be the boss of everything, just let me be the boss of your life. He says, I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive trees haven't yet produced their crops. What he's saying is if you're 401k, and the value of your home and your IRA and that second home and boat. If all those things aren't paying off, what I want to do is I want to bless you in ways that you can't fathom. Nothing wrong with having all those things. You can live in the remnant and have all those things. But my point is, do you love those things more than you love God? Because if you do, you're not in the remnant of God. You're part of the problem. So the question I'd ask you is, when you look at this last part of that scripture, it says, but from this day onward, I will bless you. Oh, come on. Do you want the blessing of God? Do you want the goodness of God that we sang about? Or are you willing to say, you know what? I'm good just the way I am. I'm fine the way I am. I, I don't want any of that. Then stay part of the problem, but know this. God's going to chase after you until you are willing to give him your attention. And it's going to be a bumpy ride. Why under heaven wouldn't you choose to join the remnant? Now, I'm going to be clear here, though. So look, look, look right here. If I've lost you, come back to me right now. You ready? It's as simple as one and two to join the remnant. Number one is, I repent. And he said, I don't like that word. I, don't like, I hadn't done anything wrong. Well, again, according to a holy God, not me, me and you and every other human have fallen short of God's perfection. Every one of us have messed up. Every one of us made bad choices. Every one of us had bad attitudes. Because of that imperfection, we are separated from God. In that separation from God, we cannot be in the remnant. But God said, but I love you and I want you in that remnant so much that I'm going to send my son Jesus and he'll pay the price where there's no more sacrifices, no more need to drain the blood, no more reason to kill the animals. He's going to be the final sacrifice and he's going to have his blood shed because there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And he's going to die on an old wooden cross. They're going to bury him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he's going to bust out of that tomb as live as alive could be. He's going to hang around for about 40 days and see hundreds of people see him. Then he's going to leave from that mountaintop and head beside God the Father in heaven. And he's going to sit there and he's going to pray for you right now. That's right, you 
right now so that you can claim God and repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. One, repent. Two, believe Jesus died for you, rose for you, and is in heaven waiting to create a home for you. And you say, Chuck, I'm in. Then it's this simple. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Come live in my life. Clean me up. Make me new. Jesus, I trust you with all that I am. I turn my life around to live for you. And I thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me so that I could have heaven and I could have all your glory now. And I want to join your remnant. I'm tired of being a part of the problem. I want to be a part of your solution. And I want to trust you today. And friend, if you say today, that's my day, just raise your hand right where you're at. Just come on. All it takes is somebody to get going. Last week, last hour, I had six. Amen. There's one. Come on. Two, who else? Three, four, five. Come on, who else? Who else? That's five already in here today. Five in here already today. Who else? Yes, yes. Well, listen to me, friend. Listen to me. The goodness of God is greater than heaven. Heaven's pretty stinking awesome. I mean, I, I'm ready to go. I mean, it's, it's up for me. One more trip up PIB. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's roll. Right? But between now and then, the goodness of God causes me to sing, I'm going to get up, get up, get up out of that grave. And you know why I'm going to get up and get up and get up out of that grave? Because I'm alive. You know why I'm alive? Because of the goodness of God that wells up inside of me because he has chosen to say, I'll take a scumbag like you, Chuck, and I'll make you holy with my presence. Whoa, come on. Is that good or what? Yeah, it's good. I want to get up out of some grave. Where did, where did he go? Where is my worship pastor? He's back there drinking NyQuil or something. I, I know what's going on. I know what he's saying. Chuck, it's only 1214. I don't know. You're never done this early. Chuck. Okay, this is funny. I don't care who you are. I mean, seriously. Do you want me to sing it? Don't make me sing it. It's going to get ugly in here. My wife is looking at me right now going, "Mm mm-mm, don't do it. Let's sing it. Come on. Come on, put some words up there. Y'all got to have a different song than that. I ain't doing that song. I got to have something different. You ready? Y'all ready to get up out of the grave? My man! Ready. We had a little technical difficulty there. So. He's back there drinking Baptist bourbon. <laughs> All right. Y'all ready to get up out of his grave? Come Hell on. lost another one. Come on, let's sing. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one.
get up. Get up out of that grave. Yeah, get up, get up, get up. Come on, y'all. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Oh, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. today. Let Jesus go before you and make a way and make a crooked path straight. Come on. Let him go within you and bring you peace, joy, fulfillment, and contentment. Watch this. Because he's always good and you are always loved. And when things get difficult, and they will, let that Jesus come behind you and pick you up and carry you. Not around the mess, but right through the middle of it. Mm only to set you down victoriously on your two feet. Wipe away your tears. Kiss you on the forehead. Wrap you up in those big loving arms. Draw you up close so you hear him say it right to your face. My child, my child, say it with me. I love you. Glory. Go in peace, y'all. I love you.